Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Tom grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. So make the best of this test and don't ask why. It's not a question, but a lesson learned in time. It's something unpredictable, but in the end, that's right. I hope you had the time of your life. It's a great song, Jody. I love that song. It's great. Yes. I don't think actually, I, maybe one other person may have done that song, but it's a great song. I love that. Thank All you. right. All right. It's well, a little coming, coming of age, you know. Yeah, like. for sure it is. Welcome to The Construction Life. Thank you, Manny. We're Thanks so, for having me. Yeah, we're so glad to have you on. I know we, we spoke briefly on the phone when the boys were here uh, and we were talking about breaking, but he, they're the ones that brought you up and they also brought up Joe as well. And uh, I like what uh, you guys are doing with yourself and Joe and what they're doing. And everybody's understanding that you're a tradesperson. You've got to kind of have this still connection, right, to, yes. to, to the next generation that's going to come in and uh, take over for what you started. So that's what we're going to talk about with you. Um, it's going to be a very cool talk. I'm looking forward to it. We've got a lot to talk about. You've been in this business or I would, you know what? You've been a part of our business. I'm going to say wow, you, you, you're totally a part of our business. You're not, you're, you're not just at the high school level. You're contributing to the construction industry, which is massive. And we need more Jody's out there. Lots of more All Jody's right. out there. So uh, let me share the deeds here. So Jody Cherney is here, department head of co-op studies at Wilfrid Laurier in London Secondary School. Uh, to reach her, her email is j, j, uh, j.cherney at tvdsb.ca. And also on Instagram, find them at slw, sorry, s-w-l-s-s-c-o-o-p. That's what I got it all right. I think I got it right. No, no rehearsal, no nothing. Let me do a couple of quick shout outs. I'm wearing uh, Huracan, Huracan construction. Yeah, Huracan uh, renovations t shirt. Uh, So shout out to him, and they're doing great work. I like what he was doing on his recent project. And then I also want to do another shout out to Clint Young of uh, FS Fieldstone General Contracting. Uh, Clint's been on the show before. He's done some great, he's doing some great work. And I just want to do a shout out to him. You can reach out to him at, uh, at FS Fieldstone. His number is 905. 5213-9089. His email is fsfieldstone at hotmail.com. His website is www.fieldstonegeneralcontracting.com. And of course, you can ch- catch his show right here on this show, on show number 297. And I do want to say that he started a whole segment on TikTok about his Home Depot adventures. And uh, there, I can see the potential behind them. <laughs> so Clint, enjoy. And I look forward to seeing more of those Home Depot adventures. Um, Jody, where would you like to begin? Um, I think I have the best job in the world. I, uh, awesome. I teach young people and in the year they launch. So they leave high school very uncertain um, about what's ahead. And I love, love, love that age. Um, Most of my career, I taught grade 11 and grade 12 and grade 13s. And it's my favorite um, because they're just so uncertain about where they want to go. And I just can't get enough of that. So I feel lucky and privileged. Have they, I mean, you've been there teaching, seeing these kids grow for two decades plus. I, I, I'm As much as I want to say that they've changed, but they haven't changed. Like, I mean, there's a reason why Breakfast Club, for argument's sake, for the movie, there's always those kinds of 
people or those kinds of kids in high school situations, right? There's always, so I'm yes. assuming that that's still the case today, right? Like when the kids 100%. Are, like I got out of high school in 89. Yeah. I'm that old. So I got out of high school in 89 and it was still the same then. So there was that, those, those segments of people in the, in the, in the high school environment. And, and you started wondering who's going to go to into construction, who's going to be an accountant, who's going to be a doctor, who's going to be like, you, you try to figure out, but that's what you have a, you have a, you have a huge say in that, right? I do. I do. And I think um, I, I have a huge say in it, but I think our like uh, the ebb and flow of our society really does kind of dictate because in the, the 20 plus years that I have been doing this, there's been a like a change, a swift change in what we're saying to kids is a viable career option. And in the first part of my career, the trades weren't really talked about. And now in the last part of my career, we're really very clearly talking about the trades being a pathway because there are jobs there. And I'm I'm just not sure like why that is, because we, I've heard other speakers on your show say that a lot of tradespeople used to be family run businesses yeah. and that's not the case anymore. Our country is growing, our city is growing, our immigrants are influxing and not just coming from one or two countries. We are coming from all over the world and we're building and we're growing. And we we need to, our industry needs to kind of reflect that. So we are now telling students, this is this is a good option. You will go make good money. It's, uh, it's really interesting because, I mean, 25 years ago, it would have all been tech talk. It would have just been tech-based career options leaving high school because we were headed towards the Y2K, right? That that kind of right. and everything was starting to grow at that point, tech-wise. And I guess construction was pushed back, but now we're seeing a return of it because we're realizing that there is such a a void in construction. And it's not that we're trying to be desperate about it. I think we're just trying to find kids that genuinely are interested in trades and there's obviously 100 plus different trades out there it's not just the standard ones that we know about regarding building on commercial industrial or residential levels there's so many other types of trade associated careers that you can choose um so you're right now seeing i guess you're paying attention to the construction industry and then you're paying attention to the the pool of students that are there and you're literally you're a scout trying to figure out which team to put them on what's what's the best course of action for that team player right right and some of them just don't know they really don't know so my best line for them is to buy yourself some time because we spend our 20s kind of like just working figuring it out you know getting a piece of paper a diploma a, a degree or whatever it is you're choosing but in your 20s you're just launching and figuring your life out but don't i i think my message to my students is and, and no inf no offense to entry retail is that don't hide out in entry retail like use the time wisely and gain gain experience towards something that is valuable and the skilled trades are a pathway for that so if you want to work at in retail just any retail then that's fine but think always about what it is you're working towards and setting goals. And so I do spend a lot of time telling kids that. And as soon as you say that, then kids think, oh, apprenticeships, like I, I could be working towards something. 
like I'll just work, but then I'm working towards something. Well, that makes sense. That's a win-win. And kids really buy that. If they can get something for something, then they really kind of hear that message really loud and clear. And a trade is really, really something that you can do that. You can work while working towards something something. in a skill trade. Yeah. Are they, I mean, I was like this when I was younger. I'm young. I've got thousands of years of time. I, don't, I have plenty of time. I don't have to worry about it, but I just, I'll tell, and I've spoken to so many young people, you don't. Before you know it, you'll blink and your 20s are over and then you have to try to figure out what you really want to do. Or, and there's also course corrections when it comes to career options. And it's not, it, it could happen in construction as well. You can go in thinking one trade and you can end up in a different trade. So it's like, don't be dismissed because you were set on by the time you made that decision. I want to go down this road in the trade, but it's not working out for me. But then there's another road that you could. And then we've also spoken about how there's all the uh, admit side of it, the side of the business, the, the, the business side of the construction business. You don't necessarily need to be boots on the ground and you're still contributing to the industry. I mean, we're still talking about trades, engineers, architects, like there's so many other options there that are connected to the trades. All of them. And then even in like your sales industry, like selling a construction product, selling a construction tool, um, all of these spinoffs are viable career options for kids. And you know what, if it just means your boots are on the ground for the first couple of years when you're finished high school, then you're working towards something. And you will have gained experience and a reputation and a work ethic that won't that won't be bad for you. Like you'll use it no matter where you go. So Jody, what are you, what are they asking for? What are the top trades that they, they have this, I guess they have their perception on what they want to go into. So, you know, I mean, I, I've seen it all the time in construction when you start talking to certain people and obviously we've spoken quite a bit about the top three. So they'll get into HVAC, they'll get into plumbing, they get into electrical. Uh, but there's also a bunch that would want to get into framing or finish carpentry. And then there's the definition between those two. And obviously at the bottom, which we talked quite a bit about, is the harder trades, which are the masonry trades, the the brick or the hardscaping and things like that. So what are the kids looking? Where are they looking? Which are the ones that are appealing to them? I think... Um, it, steer, uh, Typically, we're following the same pattern that you're saying. So, oh, really? yes, okay. I I put students in, in um, the OEAP program. So I like I, I have students in my co-op program and then we register them and then we point them in the direction towards their trades. And the majority of students picked electrical and automotive. So from my program, that's what I saw. Um but I also have like a connection with a community employer that has come in and spoke to my class who has um, who represents like the heavy truck industry. So in the automotive sector. So because I have guest speakers that are right close by and want to come in and speak to kids, they have come in and scooped quite a number of our students because the industry is so uh, needing them. So I think when I make connections with businesses in the community and they can tap into me, we seem to kind of like really pull and steer kids. And of course, then the construction and then the laborers as well. So I have some kids that are working on construction sites just as laborers. Um, and then even on Monday, I'm headed to the laborers union, the local um, in my in my city to have like an education kind of um, an awareness and luncheon. But 
they're all working hard in London to kind of make make each other seen. It's funny, Jody. It's like you're doing your own boots on the ground because you have to go speak to the employers to figure out what are you guys looking for, who you're looking for, what do you need? You, I know you want to expand your business, you want to grow, and that's what I. That was a great message from Ronald and uh, and uh, Eric when they were here and we were talking with them, and they were embracing what you guys were doing, and they needed more of that. And, and in 20 years, I think they, uh, or sorry, in 10 years, they had 20 kids come through mm -hmm. their business and they were great mm -hmm. about it. They were very grateful for it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's like, you're doing the same thing. You're talking to these business owners to get insight into what they need. I think if, if I were to have one wish, I wish that employers would just call me. Just reach out. Like I wish, like just because when I know that there is such a need, I can't know everyone. So like if they just came to me, because now Google is a big world and like, I hate to say this, but I began my career looking in the yellow pages and it was not easy. Um, but Google is like made my life so much easier. And really I have to match a kid to where their community is, to where their home is and where tr public transportation is, yeah. uh, can they get to and from? So there's a lot of pieces that have to come together. But if employers were to just come to me and I didn't have to cold call and I didn't have to kind of do that, I, I think it would just make my job so much easier. Um, and I don't bite. Like I, I actually no, no. am quite friendly and super appreciative when employers do reach out. And when that call comes into our school, I'm like, oh, the, here's the company that really wants kids or they want kids. They recognize that it's free labor and that's great. Um, but at the same time, they're willing to kind of allow the time in their business to train a kid. It's um, are they realizing because I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for the dinosaur parts of the business where you'll get the older trades that are running a shop and they that's the last thought on their head. They are not thinking I should make a phone call to a high school to see if I have a future employee in store for me. They don't, that's not their thought process. But I'm noticing that the younger trades that are starting business are going on their own they're being a little, lot more forward thinking and they're probably reaching out more. I can only assume that that's the case because uh, the, the old guys won't think to make a phone call to a high school. It, they really, and you know, um, it's a shame missed opportunity. It is a missed opportunity. And one of the things that like does kind of mark a business is their, their presence on Instagram, TikTok, and how, um, how, how visible they are yeah. in a young person's world and like older, older companies that haven't had to do that are missing out. And then I can only assume the kids in high school level, they're all over social media. So I mean, all over. yeah, so they pay attention to a lot of businesses that are out there and they're probably already starting to plant the seed to kind of approach this person. So are you getting kids that are approaching you going, listen, I've been following this business. I really would like to be attached to this business. Yes. Um, can you kind of make the introduction or figure it out? Maybe they're a little too nervous to approach them or something. I get this all the time. Guys are too nervous to reach out to me and just DM me and talk to me. And I'm like, listen, I'm just like you guys. We're regular people. We're just having a conversation. So by all means, that's the reason why I got my number on all the, the posts and everything like that. So I just, I want that connectivity so then people can realize, approach them. Yes. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, and kids do follow the Instagram. They follow um, TikTok. And when they see it, because Instagram does and TikTok makes work look fun. Yeah. And most times what's posted on an Instagram 
looks pretty fun. Um, and it's excellent marketing strategy for a company and a business. And it's very, very forward thinking. And like younger companies are catching on to that. But all you kids listening, that's not the whole side of the business. <laughs> Just going to say <laughs> that's, you know, we, we do, uh, we're all guilty of it. We do show the glitz and the glam of construction, but then there's also the, the hard, hard, very, very hard days, uh, but very rewarding days. So there is that part of it, right? I think, um, like when I have the kids in my co-op class, we talk about the ebb and flow of like work and how, you know, at the beginning you're excited. So you're like climbing up the mountain and you like, you're, you go, you go in every day and you're driven and you're learning something new, but then like everything, it becomes sort of mundane and it's like, oh, the day in day out. And then, you know, you have a choice of fork in the road where you like, you know, either stop performing or stop actually producing, or you ask for another challenge and your, your hill keeps climbing. Um, so when I talk to kids about the boring middle part, um, that's the value of a co-op program when teaching kids. We really do teach them that there's a boring middle part to life. And <laughs> like, it's your job to make sure you spice up the before and after work. Yeah. And the middle of the, the middle of it, uh, looks a whole lot more fun when you have other things kind of happening. Do more kids get the idea of approaching you and, and, and bringing up the conversation of the technology married to trades where, you know, I know that construction doesn't move as fast as the rest of the world regarding tech-based products or things like that, but there's a lot of interesting innovative things going on that are construction related. There's a lot of uh, modular building going on. There's a lot of like technical know-how regarding how they're building things in different parts of the world. Are, are the kids opening up their minds to that side of the, the industry? I think definitely. Um, and this is also interesting because they, they also too are looking at sustainability, environmentalism, like they want to build things that are sustainable and they want to like be a part of that evolution of like how how can we use less waste and how can we make our growth and development more efficient like they're just hungry sponges and they come with ideas and like it's so so inspiring to be connected uh to the young mind um because they just they can't get enough like uh yeah did you ever jody have you i'm, I'm sure you get this quite a bit Kids that are conflicted, they're not exactly sure if they want to get into trades or if they want to go down to another career choice and you're balancing it. Or how do you how do you communicate to a child like that's considering trades but not considering trades? Some of it has to do with their parents' influence. Um, so, you know, mom and dad are in the background, you know, uh, with a pretty loud voice. Like kids really do have a lot of influence from their parents. So when that indecision kind of happens, um, kids go home and then they come back, they go home and then they come back. So mom and dad really do have a say. Um, but some kids do have parents in the construction industry in some way, shape or form that can have an influence on what direction they take for sure. But the waffling, I think, is is good because they don't have to make a decision like right now today and i think they know that this the industry itself is so needing skilled trades in all areas that they 
they know that they have time to choose. So I may do a student on a construction site one semester, and then the next semester, they want to do an automotive placement. Well, I thought I did. And that does happen because yeah. I know I want to work with my hands. And, you know, I like cars and I like building. So they put a co-op in to kind of see if they like both. And I think that's great that kids want to do that. Um, and it's very, very common. And do they, is there, I mean, I want to get into your I guess, relationship with OEAP, the Ontario Youth Apprenticeship Program, and how that's working. And um, But I also want to talk about how businesses can get on that list so then they can already be a preferred, not necessarily a preferred, but at least an option for a kid. Um, but how many op- like how many times can a kid choose? I mean, they're in their last year of school, I guess, and then they're, uh, they get as many as two times, or is it more than that? So you can take... Um, in my school, I've seen kids take three co-ops, which is two credits each. Okay. Um, so that has been done. Um, most, some kids take two, so they may, may choose like two periods in the morning, two periods in the afternoon and do a full day co-op. Okay. Those full day co-ops are very, very valuable. You guys in the trades love all day kids because when a co-op is a half a day, employers don't like um, the kids leaving the job sites after three hours. Um, It's a complete waste of time. So I'm trying to find creative ways to keep kids on the job site for more than three hours. So maybe they'll miss school for two days a week and do full eight or nine hour days. And then that's enough for the entire week. And then they catch up in the other days. So I'm, I'm doing some of that. Um, so me pointing them in the direction of OYAP, um, OYAP is a unique program that really is just co-op. So when people learn about OYAP, they learn about, wow, I want to work towards an apprentice, an apprenticeship. Okay. I can start that in high school. So really all a kid needs to know about OYAP is take a co-op. That's it. I do the rest. You'll handle everything else. I handle all the paperwork. So when you leave high school, you don't really have a bookie like me. So you're on your own to kind of go to an employer, express your interest, show your drive and determinism. And then the and then your boss will say, we'd like to offer you an apprenticeship. And then you contact the ministry and then you sign a training agreement. But for OYAP, all of that happens in school and your teacher handles it all. So I handle it all and I send my paperwork to a contact at my board office, board level. And then we have a direct relationship with the ministry. So if a kid knows nothing about apprenticeships or trades, they just need to speak to their co-op teacher and that's it. The rest should be well explained and well organized by the the co-op teacher in their building. And then I wanted to ask you about, I know that there's obviously stigmas in construction and you guys, you've already mentioned it earlier on the show that you're already giving them a heads up on, it's not all this glitz and glam. There's those boring parts, but I mean, we, we have come across some employers that have been told that certain schools or certain teachers are not painting the whole picture about trades. They're trying to guide kids to away from trades. And that's been the problem for a few years. Right. And how do we change that? How do we get them so then everybody, like, in my mind, every career option should be presented. So because you've got X amount of kids in a high school, 
not all of them are going to be tech geniuses and they're going to go down that path or whatever it is. So you should be prepared to have every option on the table for that kid to consider and then give them the best course to go down that route so they can achieve that. Um, but how do we handle those schools? Because I'm, I'm hearing that there's a lot of schools in the Toronto area that are not really pushing kids to construction to trades and they should be you guys are doing an amazing job which i'm really amazed by it because but the thing is you guys are outside of the greater toronto area we're not hearing the exact same things going on here in toronto hmm. um well i can say from uh this area there's we have some very very driven co-op teachers so i'll i'll make a pitch for um us veterans in thames valley there's a bulk of very very active co-op teachers that are covering this part of southwestern ontario um thames valley board spans all the way from like tilsonburg to park hill to strathroy like it, it's it's a huge board we have. Um, so we do have a, a, a large portion that's in the rural areas. So we cover a lot of manufacturing, a lot of um, a lot of farming okay. and, um, and a lot of industry. So we know that kids are going to end up in these jobs and it's word of mouth. We are pretty active to kind of keep in touch with the students that graduate from us. And these kids talk and they talk to each other. So I think that's what's made it so um, contagious here in this part of Ontario is that kids talk and they talk about where they're going, what they've done. Like I had a student leave my program at the age of 18 and then bought his first house at 20, bought his second house at 22. And like, he still keeps in touch with me. And like this kid was like determined and um, like, I'm, I'm super proud of him because he, he also had tons of friends that were in the grades below him. And because of what he did, a lot of kids were kind of watching, uh, watching him do what he was doing and wanted that. So it's you, you bring up a great point, Jody. It's, it's really about the math at that point. Like, I mean, it's yes. when you actually break it down and what it costs to be educated on a different career path versus construction, you're already paying off your student debt. What, what student debt is, um, so quickly versus other career options, right? So it's funny mm -hmm. that you brought up that one kid that that's what he's doing or that's what he did and he, he pulled it off. So are you guys having those conversations with the kids? You are talking about the numbers because I'm assuming these kids are aware of what things cost. They are aware of what the average home is, what the average career you know payout is and, and what they can potentially retire at and, and what they'll need. Are they asking all these questions? Are they getting that? Oh my gosh, yeah. they 100% are. Like I have a student in my program right now, did a co-op last year, hired by his employer and has worked for the, the last year, did another co-op this year and was ready this year to, to graduate from grade 12. He, he chose an apprentice and like he, he chose a trade. His just happens to be auto, but he, he chose that trade. Um, and the board and the ministry offered the level one certification. So these kids are getting their level one block release before they leave high school. So I know you guys in the trades understand that, that you're going to have a kid coming out of grade 12 with their level one complete with sometimes like uh for eight like almost a thousand hours towards their apprenticeship, apprenticeship before yeah. they even leave high school 
So because the government is now offering these level ones for kids before they leave high school, these kids are already asking, how can I get my level two and how can I get my level three? So they know when they're in that level one program, what's coming next and how much is it going to cost me? And then someone just asked me the other day, oh, Ms. Cherney, you know, I think I... I think I'm not going to do block release next time. I think I'm going to do day release. I'm going to ask if I can switch from the block release stream to the day release so I can just keep working and not have any debt. And I was like, oh my gosh, you have this figured out. Like you are thinking forward about what's coming next and yeah. you, uh, you, you know what your path is. So I, it's there. I love it. Let me let me do a little bit of history and construction here. I just want to share something. Uh, the top construction companies in the world, uh, and obviously there isn't any in Canada in this this shortlist right now. But uh, Vinci, Vinci is out of France. Group ACS is out of Spain. Um, and then there's one U.S. company, which is uh, Bechel. Bechel out of San Francisco. And then there's Hotchief. Hotchief out of Germany. And Skanza out of Sweden. And Balfour Betty out of UK. And then Bowie uh, Guest. Bowie Guest Construction again out of France. And then uh, I wanted to ask you, Jody, which countries are growing construction the fastest? Imagine this. You're working on a construction project and accidentally damage a client's property. Without insurance, you could be held responsible for the repair costs. And what about unforeseen accidents that can happen on a job site? Construction projects come with their fair share of risks. If a third party gets injured, you could be facing medical expenses, legal fees, and even potential settlements. But with construction liability insurance, those expenses are covered, saving you from a significant financial burden. Every construction professional needs a margin of safety and a solid backup plan for when things go wrong. So if you're a general contractor, renovation expert, or a construction professional, don't leave your business vulnerable. Nail down the low-cost construction liability insurance you need and get a certificate of insurance quickly by getting a free quote now by visiting zensurance.com forward slash save 35. Zensurance is Canada's leading source for small business and construction liability insurance. You could just take a guess. Uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. What about Germany? India. Is, India. India is going to uh, is growing the fastest right now. It's going to become the fastest construction superpower. UK uh, set to be the fastest growing construction work in Western Europe, but India globally is growing the wow. fastest right now. Which country is number one in construction um, as of twenty twenty three? As of twenty twenty three, so between India, UK, and is that what you're saying? No, no, just it, it just globally, it just they're asking which is offering the most opportunities in construction regarding jobs. Australia is leading that right now really? they have the highest in demands jobs in the country uh for bricklayers stonemasons general laborers plumbers electricians plasters construction estimators and construction managers so there's a lot of stuff going on in australia now which uh what are the um, what is the fastest developing country in the world right now i'm gonna say um india uh india's on the list but uganda vietnam Cambodia, India, Philippines, uh, Nigeria, and Ethiopia. Mostly exactly. African yeah. African countries, right? So that's yeah. a little bit of history. Um, I wanted to... The OYAP program, are we... 
I guess I, I know that you're not with OEP. You're working with OEP. You present it to the kids. But I just I get the sense that OEP, there's a lot of money being put in that program, and I don't know if it's the return on investment is worth it. So I, I don't want to get too political about that, but it's just like when I was told and I found out that OEP got another $27 million for next year, it's a lot of money on top of $50 million. Um, and I know that speaking to a lot of trades, because majority of the guests that have been on the show have been tradespeople. So they are uh, dealing with those. You know, they try to get more st students out there and get into their job sites. Um, they don't see the value in it. They're not seeing the return in it. And, and it's just, um, I just, I, I keep hearing the kids are not being uh, properly prepared to be on the job site. And I don't know if it's just the short-sightedness of the business owner or the tradesperson just thinking, ah, forget it. But they probably are not thinking in, in, in the same respect. You're not giving them enough time. You, you and myself, listen, I was never the best the first year, the second year, the third year. I had great ideas, but I was never the best. I had to learn those. So it does take time. And we know that it's a seven to 10 year process to get a kid that gets into construction to get to profitability status. Right. So it does take time. So I'm, I'm wishing that the, the business owners don't dismiss the kids fast enough. But I don't think that OEAP for the amount of money that's being spent on it is producing enough kids. I think that they should be producing tenfold a lot more kids because then we wouldn't be talking about shortages. We wouldn't be talking about any of that. We would be talking about infrastructure being grown and we would be talking about Canada being on that list as a leader, which we had totally have the opportunity to be, but we're not being that way. I just wanted to get you two cents on that. So what I am seeing is um, my kids on job sites with people working on job sites with just alongside, you know, workers that are waiting for their level ones or level twos or level threes. So there's a bit of angst out there for my kids getting this leap ahead. And we call it like a scholarship. So OYAP level one certification is like scholarship for kids. Um, so they're landing on job sites with their level one, working alongside people that have been working for five years that are still waiting for their level ones. Got it. Okay. And so... I, I do feel bad because we're putting money into OEAP to get kids out of the gate, but then they're going on to job sites, working next to people that are waiting. So, no, so they're, not being, they're not getting the best education to, to propel, basically. Well, but I think that there's then bad blood between workers on the job sites that are waiting. Like I've been here, I've been slugging it out here for two years, waiting to get my level one or my level two. Yeah. And you're, getting this handed to you coming out of high school and I know two more years more than you. And yeah, of course I'm going to say, you know, nothing, I know more and I don't have my level one and you do. This is not right. There's something wrong with like, uh, we just haven't caught up. The job site hasn't caught up with, you know, the whole idea that we need to, to get kids out there to kind of get their level ones um, and the industry just hasn't been kind to my students anyway. Um, that's just my experience to kids and often will try and talk them out of doing their level one or completing their level one um, because they don't have enough experience. They won't know enough. And I, 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 don't, I don't know how I can fix that because if you're on a job site, you're working with some guys, they tell you you don't know anything, but you're a kid and you don't know anything anyway. I don't know. <laughs> that's why I, I was saying that 
they need to be a little more um, open-minded, a little more forgiving that we were not all geniuses when we got started. Okay. That no. I don't, I don't know one tradesperson that was, you know, a genius on first day or first year. It, it takes time. It totally takes time. It does time. take time, but we're pumping some pretty smart kids into the job yes, placement rate. Like, sure. like I've had just in my last co-op class, three kids that had university level education. So they took you all the way through and then flip to the trade because dad owned a construction company. Uh, one of the kids, dad owns a construction company. Another kid, his um, dad um, is a certified uh, uh, tradesman. And both kids just have high levels of education coming out of high school, pretty smart because you can't, you can't pass those U level courses if you don't have some level of intelligence. So we're, we're pumping out some pretty smart kids and these kids are doing the level ones with great success. So they're coming out of the level one block release and being trained by your tradespeople, and then sent out into the job site. And they're coming with some skill, yeah. all that level one has to offer them. Yeah. Are the kids coming back at you at some times and just saying, I just, it's not for me or they're just, it's not the picture that they thought it was going to be about, or they just, are they coming back and saying, it's just way too hard. This is not definitely not for me. I want to do something else. Oh, I am hearing that it's hard okay. because so many of my kids for the, the OEAP level one wanted to keep doing their part-time jobs, but the daytime class is too long. And then the homework is even longer. So they're coming home with homework. And staying on top of that homework and being te there's tests, either like uh, like manual tests yeah. and book tests. Yeah. And we asked the students when we went for a tour the other day, what's your best advice? And some kid in the back yelled, read the textbook. <laughs> Smart. And that was, in the, that was in the electrical, uh, the electrical level one. And I was like, OK, and there's some homework and. So that's the message. It's not easy. Um, there is homework and you may take a break from your part time job because expect to go home and actually reread and have to do homework when you're at your level one. But it's only eight weeks. So eight weeks. You have to set this aside for eight weeks. Um, and it's doable. When you're chatting with them, Jody, are you I, I, I love that you were talking about with them and the kids are understanding the financial side of things and, and not getting into debt and trying to plan for the future. Are they mostly interested in being tradespeople or are they mostly interested in being business owners one day? Are they looking at evolving in construction or basically just staying at a, a certain trade and working for a company? Is there a lot of interest in being a, an owner? I will say um, it's everything. Okay. Everything. Um, I have some students that um, have been influenced to point in the direction of unionized jobs. So they want to get into the union. Again, with family influence, I have some that want to start and own their own business. So they're very entrepreneurial. And one of my students actually made use of government grants last summer, started his own like landscaping company and like is making money hand over foot, but he wants to be a level one, like he's doing his level one electrical right now. Um, and, you know, competitive hockey player. So he, he has very, very specific goals and really, really wants to own his own company someday. 
and has that drive. But like he's only one. So even when Ronald and Eric's student um, Cam, he basically is sort of seeking out job experiences right now, is doing great and sees what it's like to kind of own a company. And he's walking away from that job, just not knowing, like, he's like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I see the benefits and I see the, um, the pluses and the minuses, but I also see that, you know, I could get a job at hydro. I could get a job at, um, you know, in other areas, but just doesn't know. Um, are you, I can only assume you guys are probably helping the kids market themselves. Like, I mean, they have to understand that when they're going to either a job placement or a job interview, they're marketing themselves. They're, they're a product, they're a brand, they're something. So then they are, you kind of showing them the best way to approach these conversations or these presentations or how to be on a site when they first show up and obviously on time, uh, things like that. I love that you identify it as what your own brand and your marketing, because I do spend a lot of time with my students talking about that. So coming out of COVID, one of my biggest challenges is we all have to show up now. You can't lie in bed and you can't get your lesson from your couch or your sofa. Like everybody is showing up now and coming out of the gates, the kids were tired. Of course. Everyone was tired. We were tired because, you know, showing up every day, uh, getting out of your pajama pants was work. So now we've put that behind us. It's in the rear view mirror. And now we're just showing up every day and working. So you can't come in your pajama pants and your first impression. You've got four seconds to make that first impression. Um, So, yes, I do spend a lot of time on that. And when we do our pre-placement in co-op, we talk to the kids about what goes on a resume And then what happens at an interview? And I've had many students get the jobs, not because of the skill or any knowledge that they had, but because they were snowboarders, because they were classic car repairers, because they were, you know, um, competitive world champion billiard players. And like, I, I just cannot stress how much we now have to tell kids. These kids are coming from the generation where their parents paid crazy amounts of money for private music lessons, private hockey, um, competitive hockey, competitive soccer. So these kids like were all programmed like crazy and they have to translate those soccer practices or those hockey practices into their brand. I showed up for practice. I played play competitive play AAA hockey for nine years of my life. What does that mean for me? It says I'm committed. It says I'm driven. It says I'm a team player. Like you need to recognize that attribute to you, to your brand, to be employed. And we do connect those two when we talk to students in our pre-placement session. Yes, because you know what you're going to talk about the whole time you're working all day is your hockey, is your snowboarding. Because guess what? Like how much knowledge you know about, you know, saws and, you know, hammers and blades is nothing. That's the daily part of the job. How interesting are you? How cool are you? How much do you do stuff? You cannot play video games for the rest of your life. And that is fine to some degree, but you have to sort of build your brand and be something interesting. Um, kids get it, I, I think. And I've had, and I've, I've actually experienced this, that I've had employers tell me that they'll send somebody home if they don't even say good morning or hello to start the day. 
if you want to just keep your head down and not talk to anybody, they'll just, you don't want to be a part of the team. You don't want to be a part of this whole process. And they'll just say, listen, I don't like him or her. And, and it's a shame because it's just such a, and, li- and the, uh, the old guys do it too. And I'll get crusty with them. I'm like, I don't care what's going on. Like I, I get that we all have personal lives, but it takes nothing to walk on a job site and just say, good morning. How are you? How's it going? How's everything? It takes nothing to do that, and it means so much to be a part of our team, be a part of the, what we're doing. And I think employers need to remember, too, that these these kids are just kids. Yeah. And if we want them to say hello and good morning, they have to be taught. Yep. So they're not coming with all of these basic skills. Maybe something that we all, our parents may have said to us, you must enter someone's home and say good morning. And when you exit someone's home, your friends, mom and dad, then you say goodbye. Thanks for having me. Then you say goodbye. And that same things happen on the job site. These life skills, these sort of common courtesy, like we we have to assume sometimes that these are they're just kids and they're just kids that really don't know. So the number one complaint I get from employers is that kids don't talk. And that they're shy. Well, they're listen. First time I was on a job site wasn't when I was a kid, and I was still in awe. And I could have been just a deer in a headlight looking. I was just trying to, I was trying to absorb everything. I was, I was fascinated by what was going on, and I didn't want to be in the way, but I wanted to learn. And then I was trying to figure out who's friendly enough looking for me to. Speak speak to and not you know have my head bit off or something like that until I re- quickly realized you know what I'm just gonna say it I'm gonna say hello and I'm just gonna s- introduce myself and I'm just gonna and, and that's how it was and th- then I just didn't become a loud voice I just became a voice that I would just be asking questions and then I quickly learned that in construction there are no stupid questions and I really want kids to understand that ask as many questions as you want like, don't be afraid to ask. Nobody, well, nobody that I know is going to turn around and go, that's a stupid question. Get away from me. They're never going to say that because I think generally good tradespeople want to teach. They want yes. to educate. They want to share. They don't want to head off to the casket and then keep all their secrets. They want to give all that stuff away and give it to the next generation, give it to their family, give it to their coworkers or whatever, and, and share it, get it out there. So I think that the kids need to find the right opportunity. I think they need to kind of how read. It's no different than I, I love you. You brought up the sports analogy. How do they make their best friends in the, on the team? Like there's a team of dozens of people there. And like, how do you know who's going to be your best friend? You don't know. You, ha- you kind of have to navigate those waters and try to figure it out. It's the same thing on a construction job site, right? So don't be afraid yeah. to speak up and say something. Yeah. Job sites are hyper stimulating too for kids. And we have to understand that um, maybe in yours and my generation, like we may have had... I grew up in a farm, um, so I'm not from the city. So there was like construction happening every day and it was in my backyard and what I saw. But kids here don't have that. So we spend all this time kind of like prepping them and preparing them and warning them about job safety and like being safe on the job. And so we do a fair amount of WIMIS and we cover that. Kids are coming. Kids in southwestern Ontario cannot be on job sites and construction sites unless they have their working at heights. Yeah. So they need to have that certification. So there's a part of them that's like scared. Like I got to like Miss Cherney said, don't cut off your hands and uh, hands and legs and then don't fall. And like 
there's a, a million yeah. things that are happening inside their brain. Oh yeah. And good, say good morning. Right. <laughs> so there's that too. So keeping, keeping them safe and making sure they come home at the end of the day is like a simple thing, but then also kind of making them hyper aware of like, you know, relax, so you be you and yeah. like, like open your mouth and yeah. say hello and say good morning. Yeah. They'll get they'll get past that. I mean, they'll 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 get past it and realize that after a few months, they'll be like, hey, I'm not I'm like I'm way beyond, beyond that. Right. Which is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, and I will say, too, that yeah. the job on most job sites, their coworkers make them feel very comfortable. Um, the coworkers that uh, I have my kids with, there's some women and some young people. So they've been in their shoes before. So that your industry is really changing. So that welcoming um uh, is just happening differently because it's so diverse right now. And then don't forget anybody who's listening kid wise, uh, if you're getting in, if you got some sort of, I guess, specific European background, you will get razzed. It's just how it is. If you mention <laughs> that you have some sort of Portuguese or Italian or Spanish lineage somewhere in your family tree, it's going to come up as a joke. So just ride the jokes. That's all it is. <laughs> I want to yeah. ask you, Jody, how is the ratio between female males getting into the industry, kids uh, coming out of high school? Whoa, it's shifting. Like just this year, I had uh, two girls enter into OYAP. And like in my previous years, uh, like zero to one. So it's it's increasing pretty rapidly. I think the money that our government is spending on, you know, the Jill of all trades yeah. and enticing women to come into the field is being well spent. That money is well spent because these are, are women that are driven, ready to work hard and being excellent role models. So I'm excited about uh, women, the future of women in trades. What are they mostly interested in? What trades are they looking at? Are they still looking at similar ones that the men, the boys are, are looking at? Um, uh, electrical. Okay. I, both, both of the women that I had this semester were both in electrical. Um, I have one student going into bricklaying because it's very artistic and there's lots of art that goes into bricklaying. So um, there's that. So, yeah, I don't I, I never know. I can't I can't predict what the girls are going to pick. Um, well, I mean, I, I love seeing more and more women come into the industry and I, I, I like that it's growing. I, I, we're still Canada, still a little bit behind the U.S. There's more female percentage wise uh, in the U.S. side of, uh, of tradespeople. Um, but I do like that it's growing. And I agree with you that the government is doing some really good things there. There are the incentives that they're offering. I wish that they would take some of that. Oh, yeah, money and put more of that incentives in just small business owners and then have them uh, be helped out. Uh, cause that's what we also hear from business owners. Like they, they, now they have to kind of slow down their business to kind of teach and educate, but they're not being really compensated to do that. And I, and I get it and I would love to see more of that, but obviously the commercial, the high rise, the unions, all those players, they're getting all those kinds of incentives, right? I just love to see it more on the small business because there are a lot of small businesses across Canada that started off as one or two you know, tradespeople, and then they became a business. They branched off from working with somebody, and now they've grown, and they're going to continue to grow. But they need the assistance, and uh, I want to see more of that as well, too. But that's a government talk. I don't want to get into that conversation. I don't know. So, like, all of a sudden, I just, like, 
this year there was government money put towards um, like kids entering the skilled trades and going from co-op programs directly to work. And it all of a sudden just appeared. So we gave away some bursaries to students at our school for kids that are going directly into work. And it was just like surprise money. You're talking about the $10,000. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of that going on. A lot of surprise money. Like I was like, okay, uh, awesome kids. Like get us get you in line for this. Like if there's money out there, I want to find it. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to figure out what else do you want to share? Um, what can I, uh, what can I leave us with here? Um, well, I love the idea of the new, like I, I, okay, listen, I, I always embrace younger generation getting on a job site because they are looking at the wooden wheel and trying to figure out how to make it better. And I'll always listen to new ideas. So then I'm, I'm always encouraging and embracing looking at the younger generation, getting into construction, trying to figure out what are they coming up with? Because that's exactly what I did when I got into construction is I started looking at what I don't think works and what needs to be improved. And that's how I basically built my business where you're spending the same amount of time building something one way and you could actually build it better and spend the exact same amount of time. So why not just build it better that way? So you got this younger generation. I'm sure that they're sitting there. They're going through Instagram. They're going through social. They're probably doing their own Google research and trying to figure out construction techniques, what's going on around the world and, and embracing it and then having that conversation. Why are we not doing more of this? Why are we not doing this? We're starting to see 3D scanning. We're starting to see some modeling on job sites. We're trying to see, and this is all leading to more efficient businesses. So it's like you almost want, like money ball kids to get into construction to try to figure out how to maximize construction better because when we get into construction we are we are very much set in our ways and then it takes almost a drastic event uh to all of a sudden change our minds so i mean i i really am i want to i want the kids to embrace come up with these new tech ideas for businesses on the boots, you know, in on the ground with their boots, and then also in the the office, and then the paperwork side of the business, drawings and things like that, and try to figure out what's going on. Are you are you like are you thinking the same thing? Uh yeah. Like I, I only, I only know what comes back to me if kids come back and visit or keep in touch on social media. So when Speaking I of that, Jody, that you know what that should be a mandate for you guys that they need to come back and do some <laughs> homework and to tell you what's going on. Maybe a journal, some sort of, I don't know, oh yeah, kind of co-op journal that you need to submit and go. This is what happened today, you know. And hopefully, it's well, not I like hope that by using the, the the Instagram, and I do love Instagram because they know that I run the account, and they know <laughs> that they all follow it, and they yeah. all so like the easiest way for them to tell me what's going on is just by sending me a DM. And I think when they leave, I make it very known that I'm invested in their future and that I love update stories. So I try my best, but uh, sometimes they just don't. I don't know. Like I think. Um, it, it looks, the future looks great. Like I, like it's very exciting. I don't know what happens beyond. So like I just kind of launched them and then that's up to you guys to kind of take it from there. Um, but you I love hearing the stories of them succeeding and 
advancing and working in the industry, right? You love hearing about that and, and finding out that so-and-so is now doing this and so-and-so is now doing that. I mean, that's, that's why we're interested in this thing. Like almost every day I get someone reaching out to me saying that they love this show and they love the conversations that are going on and how it's helped them and how it's pushed them to be better. And I, I love hearing all that stuff. These are complete strangers that just reach out because they're listening to two people speak and, and then you're sharing this, idea of trying to make the industry better that's all it is it's, right? it's teachers love that too like like any good teacher is in the business of teaching for the kid and the kid and the kid story like i want all the kids to make more money than me to have you know vacations and houses and you know cottages and boats and everything that their their heart desires and they'll only get that through hard work yeah. and I'll only know if they got it, if they message me. So yeah. I hope they do like, yeah, they should, should be mandatory. I want to ask I you, know, I, 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 I know we talked about, uh, there's the, all this new money, there's certain incentives. Do you know of any other programs that the government's offering right now that will help the kids get, you know, continue going through construction? Are there incentives that you know of? Um, well, I just learned about one the other, like tomorrowstrades.ca. Um, that's new money that's come from, have you heard about that one? No, I don't know that one. What's that about? Well, it's like, it's a, it's an opportunity for kids to kind of, um, enter into a co-op training program. So they're offering this training program for kids that want to enter into the trades. And so what they'll do is they'll take a kid all semester and, um, they'll, they circulate through all of the different trades. So they go to the labor union, the construction, the um, bricklayers, the sheet metal. So they will, through the entire semester, they're teaching the kids all about all of the different trades, but in a co-op placement. So I'm super excited about the future of that one because um, it's going to take a specific student that could set aside an entire semester to work with these people. But um, it, it, if it gives a kid exposure to all of the trades, then that's pretty exciting because the, nowhere would they ever get that. They're going to go to the labor's union and look at what the labors do. They're going to go to the construct, the carpenter's union. And then, the, but it's all sort of union um, exposure, but they're using union tools and union um, like training facilities. And they're making use of things that already exist but a company has just said, well, let's take all of those and let's put them all for and to teach kids. So that one's going to be an interesting to watch. I'm on the fence about that because my first thought is, will that be overwhelming to a kid that's just getting started to get a taste of every single trade? I just I, I don't know. Is that going to be too much to process? Maybe. Um, but... Hey, general contractors, renovation experts, and construction professionals, protecting your business should be a top priority. Your clients require you to have liability insurance as a condition of the contracts you sign. By having construction liability insurance, you not only fulfill those requirements, but also demonstrate professionalism, reliability, and a commitment to your clients' protection. It's a win-win situation for your business. Construction liability insurance is vital to protect you from risks and liabilities that come with your line of work. It provides essential coverage for property damage, coverage for third-party damage, or bodily injury, and other incidents that may occur during construction or renovation projects. Visit zensurance.com forward slash save35 for a free construction liability insurance quote and get the comprehensive protection you need. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's like, a good idea. Wanna, it's a great I, idea. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've joked about it, how, you know, like if you want to be, if you want to learn about different trades, just find a job site and get on it and then start shadowing and paying attention to every trade. But I mean, I could also see the kid being overwhelmed by it. And just, yeah. and then also and if I, they're not interested, they'll just easily walk away from that one trade. Oh, this is not for me. And then that's it gone. Right. But you haven't really maybe. dove into that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And then there's also the whole, um, the, you know, you're taking a kid and exposing them to like the, the union environment and the union um, situation, whereas, you know, that's not what the private business owner also has as well. So, you know, that's a whole political argument um, aside, but it's, a, it's an option, it's coming and it's here. And we have a student entering into that program in the fall. Um, so I'm going to watch that one to see kind of what the outcome is because it's brand new. I, I really don't know. I just went to a training session. They talked about it. The two guys were there talking about how this is coming and this is an, an option. They obviously have money to get this business off the ground to yeah. kind of teach, to take a bunch of kids and to move them around to the different unions. Uh, so let's see where it goes. I don't, I don't know. Um, because I haven't sent a kid through it yet. Do you know of any, um, I'm trying to figure out, I know the other conversation that people are having is uh, our labor shortage is, is, is happening. So let's bring in more immigrants. And that's what was going on back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Um, do you know of what other countries are doing regarding getting kids into the construction force there? Are they doing similar things that we're doing or are we doing better? Or? Uh, I don't know. I can't really speak to that. My school is very, very multicultural. Um, so I teach in the Southeast portion of London. So there's a high, um, portion of students that are come from multicultural backgrounds. Um, and like the majority of kids from the different multicultural backgrounds, our trades are coming with trades. So I don't know if they're coming to Canada as their parents are first generation tradespeople that are coming here um, with trades behind them. I don't know that. Okay, I was just curious about it because I've always had this mindset of why don't we globally just look at who, which countries are doing what and see what's really working well and then just implement that instead of trying to figure it out on our own when we can actually just speak to somebody else and figure it out. But well, that would make good sense. But I think for our immigrant situation, we have a lot of immigrants coming here that are coming here and, you know, in crisis situations, yeah. like coming from the Middle East and yeah. and they're just coming to kind of be free, right? So um, they may have owned businesses or been you know, had skilled trades back in their home country, but are willing to do anything uh, here in Canada just to kind of like begin a new life. So many, many of my students and their parents were in that boat, um, basically just coming here and willing to just work. Um, are you so. seeing all that diverse multicultural, they're, they're all interested in construction somehow. It's, it's not just a matter of we're just getting one type of background going into construction. There's a lot of interest from all cultures. Yes. Okay. Yes. All cultures, yes. That's great to um, hear. Yeah. Well, and again, like maybe you say that like what's happening in the GTA is different than what's happening here in London, but London is just exploding multiculturally. So our students are, they're building, they're, um, uh, they're, they're wanting to kind of get to work. And, but many are forced by survival that they, they have to go to work. And they have to get to work because their parents 
their parents can't support them any other way. Like they need to support their family. So uh, they're all in it together and they're just willing to work. So it's kind of how they're coming. Now you've been in, I mean, you've been at this for a couple of decades. How do you see the next decade rolling out? Do you see us just keep on climbing and it's, it's, we're going to actually fulfill this labor shortage. Is that what's going to happen? Do you honestly believe that? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Um, because if you look at the history, uh, that's what happened. Like we just, we just do the ebb and flow of it. Like after the war, uh, we wanted a lot of people to come here to build and who came here to build yeah. the Italians, the, <laughs> and they the built like, yeah. and we did, but you know, now that we have a different influx of immigrants coming from different countries and they're going to build. And we are going to build. We're, we're going to figure this out. It's going to be a bumpy road, but it will happen. Um, so we really have no choice. I think what we just need to make sure that we do in the process is we keep people safe. We keep the standard of living good, that we have good livable wages for workers that are coming to do these hard jobs and that we pay people appropriately for what they're doing. So I really don't want to lose sight of that. We really need to hang on to the value of what um, what our workers in the future are, are doing. And I think that's important. No, I agree. Totally. Um, are the kids coming up? I'm curious. Are they already talking to you about tools and specific brands? Or are they getting all kind of sucked into the Instagram world and what they like or what they want to have or what kind of truck they want to drive or they get into that kind of like the cool aspects of construction. Um, I don't hear much about tools, but Good. I'm glad to hear that. that. That's what I was maybe trying to get at. I, I'm glad well, I, maybe, I don't teach the construction class. So no, no, but I just wondered, yeah, if, they, if they're bringing it up to you going, listen, Jody, I'm going to start looking. I want to buy this set. I want to be this color. I want to have this truck or this van or whatever. I'm glad that they're not focusing on that and they're focusing on their career path and options and future and all this other stuff because, uh, it's a waste of money to spend all that right now. And then just, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's funny because, uh, they are the majority of kids are really, really scared. So coming out of grade 12, they're like, they're, they're, in, in intimidated because all of a sudden they've got a launch and they don't know what they want to do and they're confused and they don't want debt because everything costs money. So it's an overwhelming burden of so many things. I don't hear a lot about like, I want a fancy, you know, good. set of tools or That's fancy so cars. Yeah. I just hear like, I don't want to go into debt and I just, I, I need to pick the right thing because I don't want to make a wrong decision because it's way too expensive. Are they, are you, do you guys have a tech, you don't have any tech classes in the high school, do you? You do, right? Yes, we do. Yeah, you yeah. totally do. Yeah. Are you, are there, I'm assuming there's more schools in your area that do have that because we don't have that many in Toronto area, right? They're all I know. Like the government has pushed a lot of money. If you are a school, a high school, um, the money all right now goes for schools that are offering a specialist high skills major. So an SHSM, some people call it SHISM, um, yeah, but it's yeah. a specialist high skills major and if you're a school that offers that then your school gets a specific purse of money um, and that money is for reach ahead opportunities for you to train and certify your um, students in specific areas at my school we have a construction shsm so kids at my school are given reach ahead activities and so we put our kids on the job site with working at heights um, also first aid cpr certification 
And then there's two or three other certifications that the kids will get when they leave high school. And when they leave high school, they'll have a red seal on their diploma um, that says they're SHSM trained. And it just provides them with that one more thing that makes them look special to industry and the trades. Because if, if we can offer SHSM as a as a, a drawing card, kids are taking the, the option for they sure. They see the value. They totally see the value with it. And then the employer well, sees yeah. the value with it, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Because they also, part of that SHM, SHSM is that they have to do a co-op. So you have to do a co-op attached to this program. But then they also get, they, they get field trips and they get tr training tours and they get guest speakers come in and they have, you know, they get swag. So they get sweatshirts and backpacks and there's a whole branding of, you know, the SHSM culture in different schools because we want to market those programs to have kids come to our schools to take it. So it's a bit of a sort of competition among high schools. Like what SH, what SHSM do you have? So at my school, we have manufacturing, we have construction, and we have sport and recreation. So kids can take these SHSMs to get these additional reach ahead activities. Are there other want... things, Jody, that you can suggest that kids consider while they're going down this path when they first start? I mean, outside of there's already a lot on their plate. Like there's a lot on their plate, but I mean, are there other things that they could look at doing, getting prepared for? Um... I don't know. I think what I tell kids is get to work. Don't have gaps in your resume. Um, like when kids come to meet many of them in grade 11. So some students will come in grade 11 and they're just barely 16. And remember, you can't wow. really have much of a job. Many employers don't hire you when you're 16. But some are 17 and some are 18. And like my response is get a job, get out there, get a job and start working at anything. And then if you want to trade, then you need to reach out to employers because they will hire laborers for the summer. They'll hire for the summer. Many construction companies want yes, young people to cover vacations, to pick up, like just to be on a job site, to do those extra handy jobs that they need kids to do. Like kids don't understand that that's, that's a good job for the summer. Like you make good money and like just don't sit around. So and that's the people my you meet, people you'll, you'll meet and engage with, and then you'll never know where that might lead to and yes. what opportunity. Yeah, no, it's if you get out there. Get out there. Get a job, get to work. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting close to wrapping up, Chody. Is there anything else you want to share before we get to the 12 questions? Uh, no. We cover quite I... a bit. I love what you're doing. And I, I, like, I just so nice to finally meet you and talk. And uh, I would love to see more of it going on in all kinds of schools across all over this country because uh, that would start to solve the labor shortage automatically. It Thank would just you. happen. And Young people are definitely the future and it's my business. So like I'm in the business of kids. So I just hope your industry continues to welcome them and keep them safe on the job sites. Of course, um, that's a big focus of, of mine is to keep these kids safe and then just also encourage them to be you one day to be innovative, to be like forward thinking, to kind of like change up things a, a bit to kind of make it an appealing and uh like an industry that's respected and reputable and like worth it to go into because that's exciting. These kids are coming with a, like a lot of drive and 
Uh, I mean, teenagers are teenagers and okay, fine. We can all say that they're, you know, lazy, bad eggs or whatever, but like, I don't see that. I see kids that are like really, really wanting to get to work and really wanting a future. And it's, it's exciting. I, I hope. I hope you get to meet them. I hope you continue to take kids. Oh, for sure. And I do want to say one last thing is um, as much as we've been talking about the kids should be more personable and just be open and speak and stuff like that. And and all the tradespeople that I know, I've only met a handful of bad apples out there. But if you're ever in a situation that you feel that this is not safe and you shouldn't be doing it just because you're being asked to do it, you can speak up. You can totally speak yeah. up and say and question whether or not this is safe and then not do it. Right. So don't be afraid to basically say that I don't feel comfortable doing this uh, yeah. because there are some people out there that run businesses that will want some cowboys and then they don't realize it. But everybody that I've spoken to on the show and everybody that's been on the show, everybody wants to go to work and everybody wants to come home. That's just like safety is paramount. Number one priority. That's where it gets started. And then the teaching, educating is second. Right. So yeah. you got to be safe. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, you're absolutely right. And we do teach them the rights when they, uh, when they come to us in the first couple of weeks and we, we drive it home each time we bring them back for in-class sessions where we kind of debrief what they've been doing while they're on the placement. And we do talk about safety and we do talk about training. And so we are prepping them to come with the, you know, have eyes on the back of your head and keep safety as your number one priority because you're young and accidents happen. And, you know, like you absolutely have to ask the right questions, but, you know, safety is paramount for sure. Cool. All right. Let's get into the 12 questions. Ready for this? Uh, I think so. <laughs> did I? I thought, yes, I did send it to you. Don't worry, don't worry. There's no right yeah, or wrong. But like again, I'm a teacher. I'm not like a. a I contract. know, but you're familiar with this world, so then you would have, and I'm I'm sure in your lifetime you've renovated one thing or another, come across. Yes, it. and my 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 uncles are uh, contractors, and my cousins own a huge contracting company in southwestern Ontario. There you go. So, See, so it's like, discussed I, I over dinner. Like yes. If they hear this, I'll be super embarrassed if I can't come come through. So I'll try my best. <laughs> Jody, what is your favorite construction word? Um, measure. What's your least favorite construction word? Mistakes. What turns you on in construction? Um, I would say the finished product. What turns you off in construction? Um, accidents. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite curse word? We've been keeping it clean. We don't have to swear. Oh, you don't have you to. Know, I'm not forcing anybody to swear. I wouldn't swear, but like I, I I'm a farm kid. So the F word is very common <laughs> in my uh, culture of people. So. Uh, what's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Uh, well, we have a we have an F-150. So I would say that probably my husband would like me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> what's your least kid. favorite vehicle? Um, my least favorite vehicle uh it's gonna be a dodge now <laughs> maybe <laughs> that's Actually, generally the consensus growing up that was uh that was a swear word yes we we did really? not buy any dodges uh while i was growing up so actually maybe that one yes okay. my dad would probably be very proud of me to say that <laughs> what construction sound or noise do you love um A skill saw, maybe. I just love it. It sort of sings. It does. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Um, 
um, pulling out nails. That little like creaky, a, the creaky sound. Like this, the sound of like a, a, a nail being pulled out. Yeah. Like the, yeah. it, the, the high pitch of that drives me nuts. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt to one day? Ooh. Um, whoa. I don't know. Uh, if I'm thinking, I do like the skilled trades and I do like, I, I, I do actually love the construction industry. I would maybe, um, what would I like to do? My daughter really wants to become an engineer and like she's exploring engineering. I really, really would like to see if I never thought I had an engineering mind, but I do like to build things. So if uh, like maybe I would say engineering. Yeah, maybe. What profession would you not like to do? Um, I think nursing. I always thought I'm a caring, I'm an empath. I like to, I like to care about people. I, but it's the whole um, the blood piece of it that n- doesn't sit well with me. So I think nurses are. Um, so you want to get into construction? I, what's that? You want to get into construction? <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, last question: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Welcome. That's so all he needs to say. Jody, thank you very much for being on the show. Really appreciate your time. I know you got a busy thank day you. ahead. And so I'm, much. And I, I'm so I glad that I, the guys introduced us. I'm so glad. Yes. Like, uh, I just didn't think that this was going to be uh, a page in my resume, but like what you do is amazing. And Thanks. I think it's so great that you're taking the construction industry to this next level and you're getting out there, you're spreading the word and this is how to do it. So well done. Thank I you. really appreciate it, Manny. I, I like to say that I have nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with the guests. I just picked guests that i want to have a conversation with and just share the information that's all it is but uh no i love the i love what the show is, has has become i love what it's sharing and it's definitely educating a lot of kids out there and also adults uh they're getting it they're trying to figure it out but uh it's just about giving back that's all it is it's just about sharing and giving back and moving on right well this is definitely the way to do it and people listen to podcasts and they have them going while they're working and while they're playing and uh it's a way for them to kind of hear about what is happening now yes. so yes well done well done thank yeah. you jody so again department head of co-op studies at wilford laurier secondary school in london and her email is j.churney at tvdsb.ca and it's on instagram at uh s-w-l-s-s-c-o-o-p i think that's it all right don't go anywhere just yet thanks angelina we're out of here